to everyone listening and welcome to this podcast summary of the IAASB meeting held in New York from June 17 to 21, 2019. My name is Willy Boota. I'm the technical director um, for the IAASB and I'm joined today by IAASB chairman, Professor Arnold Schilder, incoming chairman, Tom Seidenstein, uh, deputy chair Fiona, Fiona Campbell and IAASB members, Lynn Dewey and Eric Turner. Welcome to all. This week, as always, has been a very informative week for discussions around our projects, and we have managed to, to get some direction from the board and in terms of how a, a number of these pro projects will be progressed. Three of the main topics on this week's agenda were as follows. 315, we spent a significant amount of time discussing the task force's proposals to revise um, ISA 315 identifying and assessing risks of material misstatement to co in continuing to respond to the comments received on, uh, on the exposure draft, including a proposed new approach to present the requirements and application material in this standard to address complexity and scalability and proportionality, the pro uh, scalability and proportionality issues that were raised. Secondly, we had a discussion on ISA 600 where the, um, on the task force's proposed direction and proposals on certain issues related to group audits. And thirdly, we had a discussion around our agreed upon procedures engagements project, ISRS 4400 revised, where we discussed the task force's analysis of their responses to the exposure draft and their preliminary views on the issues presented. So at this stage, I'm gonna ask the chair uh, the chairs of these three task forces to provide us with a brief overview. Fiona, can I ask you to start with uh, an overview of the board's discussions on ISA 315? Sure, thanks, Billy. Since the March 2019 board meeting in Toronto, the task force progressed changes to the standard by focusing its efforts on implementing the new drafting approach. And the new drafting approach was really focused on trying to respond to concerns around length and complexity of the standard and scalability and proportionality of the standard in exposure draft format. In short, what the drafting approach meant was that we retained the what in the requirements while also keeping it at a principles level. And then definitional material or criteria was relocated to the definitions section of the standard. And then what we did was we built in a why or a how and relocated that to the application material. Now we did keep some whys in the requirements where we felt that the criteria provided a really necessary threshold for the execution of that requirement. And then in addition, we also considered additional whys where we thought it would be helpful. After the board considered that full version of the standard this week, the board broadly supported the overall direction of the changes we had made in drafting. And in particular, the efforts that we had made to enhance the flow of the requirements and try and make the standard more understandable. We also enhanced the application material, noting the introduction of the why headings in the application material, and the board felt that was very helpful. And we also separately signposted the examples, the scalability and the automated tools and technique paragraphs in the application material. So all of that was very well supported by the board. We also enhanced and revised the appendices as well. 
So despite the support, there were also many board members who expressed concerns with the interaction of how some of the new definitions and the requirements worked. And they added there may also be some challenges in navigating efficiently through that standard when you think about all the numbers of related pieces that you need. And there were also some questions just around the authority of definitions. Uh, it was recognised that technology may be a solution to try and improve the navigation of the standard, but the board did agree that that was not necessarily a solution for now. During the week, the task force spent two evenings together where we reconsidered the approach that we'd taken, and after further work, we brought back to the board a new version to try and reconnect some of the definitions back into the requirements. The new presentation was also intended to make it clearer what was required to obtain an understanding of each of the components of the system of internal control. So I should say we focused on those five components of the system of internal control in our efforts to have another go at drafting. And we did this through um, connecting them in a two-column table, showing what is required to be understood and then to be evaluated in order to meet the overall required understanding. There were some further suggestions where some additional clarifications would be needed to try and enhance and improve that flow in the two-column format a little better. But generally, the board uh, was supportive of this new revised approach that we have taken. Obviously, there's still more work to be done by the task force, and we'll continue to develop the approach that we've taken in time for the September meeting that we have. We also brought back to the board uh, some revised definitions relating to the inherent risk factors and significant risk. And this was to address concerns that had been raised by the board at the start of the week. Broadly, the way we, uh, the way we had dealt with fraud in the definition of inherent risk factors continues to have divided views, but the board had agreed to the revised wording that refers to the fraud risk factors and acknowledges the two different types of fraud, but also highlights the behavioural aspects related to fraud. There were also some other issues and concerns raised by the board that the task force still need to consider further. And the task force is planning to obviously continue to work on the final proposed standard and the related implementation material for the second full read of the standard with the targeted approval at our September board meeting. I'll hand back to you, Vili. Thank you very much, Fiona. Um, so I'm going to ask next, uh, next that Lynn gives us an update on the discussions around the ISA 600 project, the group audits project. Thank you, Willie. Uh, th thank you for the uh, the board's uh, discussion and input during the meeting uh, this week. Uh, following the March meeting, uh, the task force spent a significant amount of time considering the comments received from the board. And uh, at this meeting, uh, the, the task force brought back uh, uh, some of the draftings for the board to consider one of the major areas is the public interest issues. At a March, March board meeting, the PILB member uh, requested the task force to specifically address how the public interest uh, issues will be identified and addressed. The board uh, spent a lot of time going through the list of uh, public interest issues and uh, gave uh, uh, general support for the issues identified. There are, however, a couple of good suggestions in terms of how to present these issues differently than the task force had presented in the issues paper. 
for example, be more specific instead of having uh, overall public interest issue buckets so that it's easier for the task force and also for the stakeholder to track how those issues will be addressed in, in, future, uh, in future draft. Second major issue is a risk-based approach. Uh, the task force spent uh, about uh, an hour uh, going through different scenarios in terms of how group audits would be conducted using this risk-based approach. Uh, the task force also presented the similarities and differences between uh, what's in current ISA 600 versus the uh, proposed uh, risk-based approach. So the board can differentiate the, the differences and identify uh, the similarities. There were uh, general support for, for the approach taken, uh, encouragement to continue uh, working on the risk-based approach. However, a number of suggestions uh, to the task force specifically are uh, to consider specifically on those uh, special consideration in a group audit. Uh, what are those special considerations when auditors have to perform a group audit engagements? There were also questions uh, posed in terms of uh, what a group engagement team need to perform when there are statutory audits are required at a component level. We also talk about the scoping of the standards. Uh, board is uh, asking the, the task force to be, to be more clear in terms of uh, when the engagements are in ISA 600 or when it's not in ISA 600. And there were also a lot of discussion on significant component, whether or not the, the concept should be retained. In current practice, significant component serve as a useful concept in helping the auditor to plan and execute the audit. And lastly, one of the major issues is the scalability. Scalability is not just about scale downward, but also think about the largest, most complex multinational uh, group structure versus a very simple one or two simple business consolidated group structures. How the standard could make it easier for scalability is very important uh, going forward. In terms of going forward, the task force will take all the good comments during the meeting and um, will spend the next few months before the September uh, meeting to further provide uh, drafting considerations specifically on uh, ISA 315 and ISA 220. Also, um, spend more time talking about scalability. And then lastly, there'll be a number of uh, important outreach. There were some common issues related to the work of IESPA, as well as the ISA 220 projects. So a task force for Lies with, those, with the, the task forces from ISA 220 and, and IESPA working group. And also a number of outreach has been planned, including former firms, uh, reaching out to uh, regulators, as well as uh, uh, national standard setter and practitioners. So that concludes my 600 summary and turn it back to you, Willie. Thank you very much, Lin. Um, Eric, can I ask you to maybe please give us an overview of the discussions around the um, agreed upon procedures engagement project? 
Yes, thanks, Willie. Um, the board discussed the feedback received from the responses to its exposure draft of ISRS 4400. And it noted that the responses were overwhelmingly supportive of the ED with a significant majority of respondents agreeing that the ED has been appropriately clarified and modernized to respond to the needs of stakeholders and address the public interest. And the task force presented its preliminary views on the issues raised in the responses and the board supported many of these views. On the subject of professional judgment, the board confirmed the position in the ED that professional judgment is relevant in an AUP engagement. It also supported the view in responses that professional judgment is not applied when performing the agreed upon procedure. However, the practitioner's training, knowledge and experience are applied throughout the engagement. In discussing the independence requirements, the board generally agreed with not including in the standard a precondition for the practitioner to be independent and also not requiring the practitioner to determine independence. With respect to independence disclosures, the board discussed the balance between enhancing transparency and promoting consistent disclosure in the AUP report. In considering the responses from stakeholders, the board generally agreed that if the practitioner is not required to be independent, the AUP report would include a statement along the lines that the practitioner is not required to be independent and accordingly makes no assertion of independence. However, the board tentatively concluded that further statements on whether the practitioner is or is not independent may be confusing to readers given the lack of generally accepted criteria for determining independence in the IESBA code. The board indicated that the task force should further consider whether disclosures about the practitioner's objectivity would enhance the AUP report. The enhanced transparency on objectivity may help mitigate the expectation gap in this area. The board also discussed the effective date and the merits between basing the effective date on when the engagement agreement date and basing the effective date on the AUP report date. Uh, and views on this issue are split. So the, board, the task force will con further consider this point. There were a number of other matters discussed and the board broadly supported the proposals in relation to references to findings, engagement acceptance and continuance, using a practitioner's expert, written representations and the AUP report. So the task force is taking this input from the board into account as it works towards a first draft of the final standard for the board to discuss at a future meeting. That's it, Willie, back to you. Thank you very much, Eric, and thank you all three, the chairs of these projects. For these projects, we, we really look forward to seeing the, pro the progress on these uh, three projects in the near future. I will also now give a brief summary of the other matters that were included in the IWSB's agenda for this week. Uh, firstly, the audit, we had a very lively discussion on Thursday morning regarding the work of the Audit Evidence Working Group. Uh, where the board discussed an analysis undertaken by the Audit Evidence Working Group on the issues across uh, the ISAS related to audit evidence, primarily driven from three pers perspectives, namely technology, professional skepticism, 
and the sources of information available to auditors. The board agreed that a two-track process should be initiated to address the issues related to audit evidence and technology more broadly. <clears throat> the first track would involve developing guidance on the effect of technology when applying certain aspects of the ISAS, and this was clearly highlighted as a priority. The second track will encompass further information gathering and research activities to understand the issues related to audit evidence in more depth <coughs> so, that the, so that this can provide information to the board in determining the need for revisions to ISA 500 and possibly also other standards. The next step for the audit evidence working group and the technology working group are to develop project plans in line with this two-track approach. We also had on our agenda external ex, um, extended external reporting assurance, and the board received an update on the continuing work of the EER task force in relation to the five key challenges that have been allocated to the phase, phase two of the guidance. We again made use of breakout sessions to allow um, smaller groups to uh, do a deep dive on certain of these issues and provide feedback in the plenary session. The task force will take the input received from the board in continuing drafting the phase two guidance um, uh, for further discussion at the September 2019 meeting. Although professional skepticism wasn't an agenda item as such, it is important to note that the professional skepticism working group also met during the June board meeting. The working group discussed its input, um, its input to the, the revisions um, to the revisions in line with a number of our ongoing projects, including group audits, uh, EER assurance, and audit evidence. The working group is also developing a third communique on how the IWSB has responded to public interest issues related to professional skepticism. And very importantly, the, work will also, the working group will also continue to coordinate with the International Ethics Standards Board for Accountants on their current project relating to the role and mindset of professional accountants. On Tuesday afternoon, we received a very informative um, um, update from the International Accounting Standards Board when Mary Tokar, one of the IASB members, provided us with an update on the IASB's activities. This focused on three main areas, how the IASB sets their work program, as well as resources and consultations with stakeholders in light of the upcoming discussions about the IWSB's own 2020 to 2023 strategy. Mary also highlighted to us the impact, their experience around the impact of technology on standard setting and gave the board a technical update on, the current, on some of their current projects, including asking our board to provide you their views on the auditability of certain items in the financial reports. Um, on Wednesday afternoon, um, Imran Vanker, who is the IWSB's liaison member for the Ethics Standards Board, provided our board with an update regarding the ongoing coordination between the IWSB and IHESPA. Imran focused on, um, an, uh, focused on feedback around the process that we apply uh, in terms of inventorying, capturing, and managing the coordination activities, as well as prioritizing coordination activities. We also updated the board regarding other coordination engagements, including engagements with the national standard setters in May 2019, 
where we had a joint session between the two boards and the national standard setters, and where the two chairs of the board, also later in June, provided feedback to the IFAC board. The IWSB wishes to be very, continue to be very constructive um, regarding the coordination between the IWSB and AISBA, and also highlighted the need for early identification of coordination topics so that coordination may take place at the right level, including that certain topics may have to be elevated to the board level. Finally, we also heard from the auditor reporting post-implementation review working group who presented us with a, uh, a, uh, we presented us with a paper where we discussed some of the global trends and key themes related to auditor reporting and the board also received in and um, the working group also received the board's input on proposals around uh, proposed changes to the objective of the post implementation review as well as the post implementation review plan the working group will take all of this input into account in con in developing the way forward for auditor reporting implementation that concludes uh, our summary of what was on the agenda so at this point i want to turn to arnold to ask you for your reflections on the discussions at the board meeting this week, also taking into account that this was your last meeting as chairman of the IWSB. Thanks, Willy. Um, well, I must say, listening to you and the colleagues, um, it has been a very intense week, as so often, but at the same time also very productive. So that's a happy moment to leave after 10 and a half years. But we haven't even talked about quality management, where we are awaiting the, the responses on our consultation on the exposure drafts. We haven't talked about strategy and work plan for the future, because we just have started analyzing the comment letters that we received. So all of that will also come back later in the year. And therefore, let me only express how grateful I am that I have been allowed to chair this board for 10 and a half years. It's a great board. Very proud of what my colleagues, including their advisors and all the staff, have done so far. And therefore, I can only congratulate Tom with his now coming in as my successor. And uh, Tom, very welcome. And I wish you all the best. Up to you. Thank you, Arnold. And let me just say thank you for your service to the board and to public service in general throughout your career. Um, it's a great honor to be the incoming chairman and I, you certainly have left the board in a very strong place. But as you said, there's a lot still on the agenda and a lot of work ahead of us. And I, I really look forward to working with my colleagues around the table in the, the weeks and the months and the years ahead um, to keep your legacy alive. Um, it's a really important time for the board and for the profession. And uh, we hope to fulfill public's expectations of us. Uh, and so it's a really exciting time for me. Um, I hope that we convert on the opportunities ahead. And But uh, I'll finish with, once again, Arnold, thank you, and best of luck with your retirement. Thank you, Arnold, and thank you, Tom. That brings us to the end of the various topics that were discussed and the reflections we've shared with you. Um, I just want to conclude by mentioning a few things. The next physical meeting of the IWSB will take place during the week of 16 to 20 September 2019 in New York City. 
and the board will also be holding teleconferences on July 16 and August 1. Some of the topics that will come to the September 2019 board meeting include um, ISA 315 revised, as Fiona indicated earlier, with the aim of finalizing the standard. We will also have comments and a high-level high-level task force, um, sorry, comments and high-level task force responses on the three proposed quality management EDs, which is ISQM1 dealing with quality management at a firm level, ISQM2 engagement quality reviews, and ISA 220 quality management at the engagement level for audits of financial statements. We will also again hear from ISA 600, the group audits task force. We will have a joint session with the um, Ethics Standards Board. And as Arnold has alluded to earlier, we will have a summary of comments and a first draft of the IWSB's proposed strategy for 2020 to 2023, as well as work plan for 20 to, uh, 2020 to 2021. Just a reminder again that all meetings are open and members of the public may register as observers. Please register as early as possible for observer status for our next meeting as registration closes two weeks prior to the start of the meeting. More information is available on our website at www.iwasb.org. Before signing off, off, I'd like to remind listeners that comments for Exposure drafts and consultation papers that are currently out for comment closes as follows. On the EER Assurance Project, the phase, one consult the phase one consultation paper, the comments are actually due today, June 21. Our three quality management exposure drafts, the comment period closes on July 1st. And then on our discussion paper relating to the audits of less complex entities, the consultation closes on September 12. This concludes, the this concludes the podcast summary of the IWSB's June 2019 meeting. Meeting highlights and a full audio recording of the board's board discussions are also available on the IWSB website. Listeners can also follow us on Twitter at IWSB underscore news. Thank you so much for listening.